Father, you are worthy of our worship, of our praise. The same God yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that has been faithful to us through all our years. We look forward to this year knowing you will be faithful once again. So here we are to worship you, to commit ourselves to you, to say thank you that you have committed yourself to us through your son, Jesus. And so by your spirit, would you lead us as the children of God? For, for your spirit confirms with our spirit that we are indeed the children of God by which we cry out our worship to you, Father. So as the children of God, we give you a shout of praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, church. Good morning. Sorry for that noise. Um, Vince always adjusts this thing lower, and I adjust it a bit higher. But good morning, Father's House, and welcome to church. Uh, I know I've said this a couple of times, but for those that have joined us during worship or to those that are joining us live online now, be it on Kingfisher FM or YouTube or, or Facebook, very warm welcome and Happy New Year to you. So church in the building, can you please help me welcome everyone joining us online and on our Kingfisher radio station? Will you please also help me thank Vincent and the team for leading us in worship? How great is that new song? Uh, I think it's, it's fantastic. We're really excited for that new song. So thank you for spending the first Sunday of the year in church with us. I did mention that at this stage, we're going to invite Figo up. So where is Figo? Figo who heads up our, our saints or our youth. They're going off on Thursday for three days and two nights to the Addo Adrenaline Park uh, for our Saints summer camp. So those are all our high schoolers. Really excited for that. Really grateful to God to see the next generation committed to worshiping Him, to, to following in the ways of the Lord. I think of that famous scripture in, t- in 1 Timothy when Paul writes to Timothy and says, don't let anyone look down upon you because, of your, because you are young, but set an example in word and in speech, in conduct, in love and in purity. And so we're excited for you, Figo, your wonderful team of leaders, uh, for you doing a great job, having uh, t- picked up the reins from Matt, who handed over so well. And so, church, uh, if you're comfortable, I-, I know I was hoping Vince would be back from the back. Here he comes. Um, you guys are almost twinning, Vince and, and Figo. Um, but if you're comfortable to-, to reach out a hand as we pray for our next generation, pray for Figo and the team, but him just representing the next generation in church. Let's take a moment to pray. And Father, we are so grateful for a new generation that, ra- that is raised up in the way of the Lord. That I think of Joshua who took over a generation from Moses that said, yeah, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. This generation will be a generation that follows the way of God, that restores the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven, that is committed to shining your light wherever they go, that meets together and encourages one another and spurs one another on towards love and good deeds, that is an example to the world, a light to the world for the gospel of Jesus Christ, to a world in darkness or perhaps in confusion, that Figo and the, the leaders and our young people would be a generation that say, Jesus Christ is the way the truth, and the life. So we commit their camp to you for a time of impartation, a time of worship, a time of growth and life transformation, that lives would be set on following you, Jesus, to the glory of God. So we commit them to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Figo. Yeah. 
So um, Vince reminding me that, uh, so Nikki, uh, who heads up our kids' church, Nikki and Andrew, that, uh, her husband Andrew, they're going with as sort of elders on the camp, if you will, so along with the leaders. And so really are uh, really excited for, for summer camp uh, this coming week. Okay, so on to today. During the first couple of months of this year, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the vision and values of the church um, and looking at how we as the church are called to restore God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. It's why we've titled uh, our sort of vision for the year, or word for the year, if you will, Restore 24. You would have heard it if you had New Year's Eve. I know it's a bit cheesy, but I think it's great. Um, we've really built it out of a passage in Isaiah 61. It's what Jesus quotes when he starts his public ministry. And Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim good news to the poor. So he does some restoration in the first uh, two and a half verses of Isaiah 61. It's what, how he restores us. But then he, he tells us what happens once he's restored us. He says, we're planting for the display of his splendor and that we go and restore the places long devastated so that God's glory would shine again in the world, that his kingdom would come again in the world. So our encouragement to us this year is, is to really let Christ restore us and then us as the church, those who are called by the name of the Lord, the children of God, to go out into the world and restore the world unto God. So that's what we're looking forward to this year. So we're going to unpack our, our vision statement. If you don't know, our vision statement is, I'm going to read it to you now. So obviously all churches have the Great Commission as a mission statement from Jesus, uh, to go out into all the world and to make disciples of all nations, uh, teaching them to obey everything that he has taught us and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And so I always got confused. I thought, oh, we're going to go to all nations, to Jerusalem, Judea, and to all the world. Then I realized, oh, he was talking to people in Jerusalem when he gave that, and he said, go to Jerusalem. So start here, restore your family, restore your city, then we can go out to the country and to all the rest of the world. Amen? But it's got to start at home. So, and then we can go out into all the world. So the church into all the world. So he has our vision statement. To awaken the world to the gift of salvation by grace and to express our faith and freedom in every sphere and season. <clears throat> we're going to unpack this, as I said, over the, over the next couple of months. Today, we're going to focus on the word awaken, to awaken the world to the gift of salvation by grace. Have you ever slept through a significant moment? Perhaps you were hoping to stay awake for New Year's Eve, but as the evening wore on, the the head started nodding, and you woke up, and it was 2024. Uh, hopefully, it wasn't too many beers at the bra earlier, which is why you, you fell asleep. Perhaps you had nervous excitement the night before, a big interview or an exam, and you couldn't sleep, and then when you finally fell asleep, you ended up oversleeping, and then you sort of wake up late, and you're a bit rushed and disheveled when you arrived. Or perhaps you've, you, you've slept through some fun or a sports game, and you were like, ah, oh. I remember, obviously, I'm quite a big rugby fan. In the World Cup, those games were late. Hey? They kicked off at 9 p.m. And we played the quarterfinal against France, one of the greatest rugby games ever. And it was 9 p.m. on a Sunday night. Now, my wife had worked all of Saturday like, at the hospital from like 8 a.m. right through to like midday on the Sunday. So she hadn't slept. She was exhausted. She tried her best to stay awake, sort of like toothpicks in the eyes. And I think once we scored our first try, she was, she was like, okay, I can, go to, I can nod off now. And um, I'm, I tried my best 
to watch that game, not screaming and shouting out loud. She's like, yes, little quiet ones, right? Um, but the tension built over 18 minutes. This has been four years in the making, 18 minutes of tension. And when Fife ripped that ball free towards the end and we kicked it into touch, I just let out the, like, the biggest scream at 11 o'clock at night. My poor wife startled uh, awake. So sometimes we sleep through these moments that uh, are significant. And sometimes it's not so bad if we sleep through. I, 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 my parents tell a story, I see them over there, when my brother and I were kids growing up. I think we must have been about late, high, late junior school maybe. And um, we had in our room, we had the cupboards against the wall, but the one that was above the dressing table and the mirror sort of just had a, a little base, but it wasn't supported by much. And there was way too much stuff in there. And in the middle of the night, one night, it all just came coming down with a massive bang crash. My parents up out of bed, turning the lights on. What's going on? Nick and I, fast asleep. <laughs> My parents repacked the whole cupboard, not even a blink from it. We were just fast asleep. Got to, turned the lights back off, went back to bed, wake up in the morning. Oh, what, what's going on? We had no idea. So sometimes it's not a bad thing when you, when you sleep through things. Blissful ignorance uh, of youth. But whilst those might be funny and seemingly insignificant moments, there are truly significant things we need to be awake to. So have we ever slept through something significant and come to realize the importance of being awake and not sleepwalking our way through life? The definition of awaken is to rouse from sleep or to make someone aware of something for the first time. To, it's to wake someone up or to turn the light on, to have an aha, I see it now moment. The reason it's the first part of our vision statement and what we want to focus on today is because we think the world perhaps is sleeping, sleepwalking their way through life, missing the significance, the true meaning of life and love and joy and peace found only in Jesus. It's our call as those who are called by the Lord, who are called the children of God, to wake up, to arise and shine for our light has come, and to reveal and restore the glory of the Lord into all the world, so that His light can shine on the earth through us. It's our time to wake the world we should boldly believe that we have the answer to what the world is searching for, to what they are stumbling about in the dark looking for, what they are sleeping through, the light and life and glory of God revealed in Jesus Christ. Christ came to, to wake us up and to shine his light on us. And then he calls us to go and do the same to be a light to the world, not hidden away, but a light that others might see the glory of God through us. I'm incredibly grateful for the times I've had someone wake me up when I've needed to be awake. And we should be that for the world. I'm a morning person now. It's not difficult for me to wake up in the morning. And when Kelly Jo and I got married, she told me she's also a morning person. So I was really looking forward to, morning, let's go have some breakfast and coffee together. This is going to be awesome. Um, but Kelly Jo's definition of a morning person is to wake up at five, but only have to talk to someone at half past seven, eight o'clock. 
my definition of a morning person is, good morning, hello, how do you sleep? You like a cup of tea, cup of coffee? It took some time for Kelly Joe to get used to. It took some time for my heart to deal with the disappointment of the fact that I'm still going to be in silence for the first couple of hours uh, of the day. But as I said earlier, um, I slept through the cupboard falling. I wasn't always a morning person. My parents really had to struggle to get me up in the morning when I was growing up. So much so that my dad eventually, in, I guess, frustration, reverted to a jug of cold water and just on the, onto the bed. I think my mom was upset in, for two reasons. One, the bed was now covered in water. But number two, with me, for not just getting up and making my dad revert to that. So thanks for the cold water, Dad. Um, parents, there's some free advice if you, if you need it. Sometimes we need to be woken up. Sometimes it's, it's easier to sleep and slumber, to fold our hands, to stay in the dark, because perhaps we might be scared of what may be found if we do wake up and see the light. Um, one more story from my childhood, if I may. It was the eve of the fourth term of my grade six year, and we had had a wonderful family holiday. We got down to Cape Town. My sister had been married, got married to an Irishman. All of Ireland came with us to Red House. Uh, back, um, it took us the whole holiday just to pick up their accent, and we're talking past one another. And, um, and then... On the, on the eve, it would have been so wonderful. And on the eve of going back to school, my mom just casually said, just check your homework diary, anything you needed to do. My goodness, did I get a wake-up call. I had to have a fully illustrated book ready on the first day back at school. Firstly, to any teachers here, that's cruel. <laughs> Let an 11-year-old have a holiday. And secondly, um, I burst into tears. I was, a, I was an absolute mess. I had no idea what to do. I'm very grateful for, although that wake-up call was quite, quite scary, I'm grateful for a family who came around me. I might have been in the bad books, uh, but they helped me and they supported me and, and we got it over the line. Sometimes we can be grateful for the wake-up call we receive, even if it's scary at first to what we have to face. Perhaps there's some parents here thinking, Mike, you're obviously not a parent yet. We don't need any more wake-up calls. We just need some sleep. But this is not physical sleep I'm referring to, but spiritual. It's not physical darkness we're speaking about, but spiritual darkness. Christ came to wake us up spiritually, to shine his light upon us so that we could see. And then he calls us to do the same, to shine his light on all the world. This is why it is said, Ephesians 5 says, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I'm grateful for this church, for although I grew up in a family of faith and in, in church, it was really here and on a Pastor George for his preaching that the light bulb came on, the light of Christ shone in my heart. I'm grateful for being woken up to know the joy the true joy of life that is found only in relationship with Jesus. So it's time for us as the church to wake up and then to wake the world. Today I'm going I'm to look at the story of Jesus and Lazarus. It's a very well-known passage of Scripture. Um, but I'd like to pick it up today because some of the language Jesus uses is interesting. 
He, he does it more than once in Scripture, also about the, the young girl. He says they've fallen asleep when the report was that they had died, that Lazarus was dead. And I think Jesus is showing us, us that it doesn't matter if a situation seems too far gone. He is able to wake it up, to restore any situation. He says that things will not end in death, but in God's glory. So when you think if your, ma if your marriage is battling, if your family is battling, if our country is battling, if your business or you feel like God's promise has gone quiet, it is, this will not end in death, Jesus said. Wake up. He is able to wake us up. He says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. What's beautiful about this is that it shows Christ's commitment to come and wake us up. He is so committed to a relationship with us, to a people who live in the light, not in the dark. He is so committed to a relationship with us that he says, I'm going to go there and wake them up. I'm going to go there and shine my light. As he said in the beginning, let there be light. So he says again, his light, John 1 says, has come into the world and the, world could not, the darkness could not comprehend it and the darkness flees. The light of Jesus has come. His light has dawned on a people walking in darkness. His light has shone. And he goes on to say, there's a reason that he is so committed to shining his light. And that it is to reveal God's glory. He says in John 11 verse 4, production, if I might have that up. Uh, he says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus' life was Him living out God's commitment to have relationship with us, to not leave us astray, but to be committed to restoring us back into relationship with God and into our identity as the children of God. In the story of Lazarus, Christ showed His commitment to His friend and to the people of God, because he knew going back to where Lazarus was would get him in trouble. He just had to run away or escape there from people wanting to stone him. And he knew this would eventually lead to his crucifixion. But just like he came down to earth knowing that his life would eventually end in death for our lives, so he went to Lazarus. And this is Christ's great commitment to us. He's so committed to get us out of our slumber that he was willing to lay his life down for ours. I think it is beautiful and to God's glory that Christ is so committed to saving us that he lay his life down. He says there will be life. This is his commitment that this will not end in death, that this world will not end in death. Every person will wake up. Scripture says... Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so today, I want to encourage us or remind us of Christ's commitment to us. He is so committed to you and to me that he will not let you remain in the darkness. Scripture says, even if I make my bed in hell, there you are. Christ will come to shine his light on us to wake us up and to restore us into relationship with God. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Thank you.
Secondly, the story of Jesus and Lazarus, Lazarus shows us Christ's conviction in what he is able to do. I think, like Mary and Martha in this story, we often say what they said. They said, Lord, if you had just been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And we say that, Lord, if you had just come through, where was God when this happened? And I have great empathy for that because I think we've all been there. Even Jesus himself said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I think we've all been in a stage before where we think, where was God? Is, is God still working? And Christ's conviction is that in him, Lazarus would rise again. In him, we will rise again. In him, all things will be restored and made new. Christ has come. We have his resurrection life now. And through him, we are called to say, God is able to restore any situation. Nothing is too far gone. This is Christ's conviction. Jesus said to her in John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? This is the declaration of our faith, that we believe nothing is too far gone. Nothing is too dark. No one is too fast asleep that God is not able to come in His Son Jesus and restore all things and make all things new. This is Christ's conviction that all things will be restored and will be made new. Jesus went on to say to Mary and Martha, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see God's glory? And we can say as the children of God, we have believed, we have put our trust in Jesus, and we have seen God's glory. And one day we will see his glory again. It is Christ's conviction that he is able to wake us up, to reveal the glory of God. And so once woken up, we go out into the world and we re reveal his glory to, other. this is, to others. This is Christ's conviction. Can you say amen? Amen. And then I wanted to say that in those moments where we, where we are like Mary and Martha, where we might think, Lord, if only you had been here, where were you? Christ has compassion on us. If I can have empathy, Christ so much more. Scripture says in Hebrews that he has been tempted and tested in every way just as we are. So he is able to empathize with us in our weakness. One of the most famous passages of Scripture is Jesus wept. Jesus wept shows Christ's compassion on humanity to save us. Five times in this passage in John chapter 11... The scripture tells us that Jesus loved Lazarus, loved Lazarus, Martha, and Mary, that he, had, he was moved with compassion, that he wept. It showed how he loved them and how he was moved out of compassion to go and save or redeem and restore Lazarus. Scripture tells us that God moves with compassion like a parent towards their child. In his compassion, 
He forgives our iniquities, Scripture says. When God first introduces himself to Moses, he says, A God gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. So if you're in a position where you feel like, Lord, where were you? Why have you not been here? Christ has compassion upon you. And it is his compassion that moves him to save us. And his conviction that enables him to say, all things will be restored. And he is so committed to us that he gave himself for us. And so Christ has compassion on you. May your heart be comforted by the one who gives comfort in all circumstances. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will know comfort. And so I set that up, those three aspects of what Christ does for us. It's part of the idea this year that Christ first restores us, that Christ is committed to waking us up. He has a conviction that he is able to restore all things. And he has compassion on us, which is why he does it. But then he speaks something to us. Christ has a command to Lazarus. He says, take away the stone. He says, Lazarus, come out. And he says, unwrap those grave clothes and let him free. Christ's command to us is to remove that which gets in the way of our relationship with God. He's come to give us life. Let nothing stand in the way. He has removed the stone and brought resurrection or eternal life to us right now. Let nothing stand in the way for you or for anybody else. Let nothing that was of your old life entangle you and ensnare you. Remove those grave clothes and put on the garment of righteousness to which Jesus gives us. Come out of the grave. Wake up, Jesus is saying. Live in the fullness of life to which he has called us. Christ, Christ calls us out, no matter where we are, no matter how far gone a situation may seem. Christ calls us out. He is not afraid. He sets us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free, Scripture says. Christ's command is that of life. The stench of death did not deter him from Lazarus. Martha said, well, we can't roll the stone away. He's been in there four days. That did not deter Jesus. His command is life. For death has been swallowed up in victory, Scripture says. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. His command to us is to wake up. The Father hears him and brings life. Just as he said in the beginning, let there be light. He brings life into every situation. That is his command today. That is his command for this year. And my encouragement to us today to set us up for this year is to hear the word or the voice of God calling, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead. Let Christ's light shine on you. Come out of whatever it is that you've been hiding in whatever pit of despair you have made for yourself, whatever darkness has overcome you, and let Christ's light shine on you. Wake up so that you may see the glory of God revealed. There's an interesting story in the Old Testament of Jacob, and he, he sleeps and he has a dream. And he sees a ladder from heaven resting on the earth and angels and ascending and descending. And then when he wakes up, he makes a declaration. And I want to encourage us today, when we wake up, 
we make the same declaration as Jacob did. And we say, God is in this place. Surely I have seen heaven open and Jesus come down. Jacob said, I am now going to make God my God. It becomes personal. We don't just see heaven open and the light. We, go, we move towards the light and we say, God is my God. I will have no other gods, no idols or man-made idols that the prophets say, oh, if you speak to it, it won't even wake up. Instead, it is God who speaks to us and says, wake up. And we say, God is my God. Surely God is in this place. Surely heaven has opened and come in the person of Jesus Christ. And then finally, after Christ commands us, it says, wake up. He commissions us into all the world. We are to remove the stones for others. Remove that which entangles them for others. Call out to others. We are to wake the world. The psalmist David writes that a beautiful psalm of how his praises wake the dawn. And our praises to God shine a light. They wake the dawn so that the world wakes up to see the light and the glory of God. This is our call, that we would be light to all the world. I referenced the scripture earlier, but Isaiah 60 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and His glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. What that scripture is saying is, when Christ's light shines on the people of God, and the people of God wake up and rise up and shine His light, all the world will come to see, ah, God is truly among them. God is truly in this place. How do we establish our families, our marriages? How do we establish our workplaces, our country? We will live in the light so that others look at us and say, okay, God is among us. When we do that, when the church of God, when the people of God, when they go about, when we go about establishing and living in the light, we establish God's kingdom. And then this scripture goes on to say, oh, then salvation will be your walls and your gates will be open with praise. Others will come to you. Favor will, 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 will come before you. Doors will open in a way that says, God is at work here. And my encouragement to us as the Church of Christ is to not step back and wait for the government to change our country or wait for somebody else. Let us not abdicate our responsibility. Let us adopt the responsibility to be those called by God, to be the children of God, to shine the light of Christ, to restore the kingdom of heaven on earth. If we say, where is ethical business going to take place? Let it be us. Where, are, where is marriage going to be up? honored, let it be here in the church. Where will children obey and honor their parents? Let it be here in the people of God. When we do this, then our eyes will open to see the glory of God. Then our hearts will be filled with joy. Then nations will come to our light and say, ah, God is surely among them. That is our call is to reveal and represent Him to all the world so that all the world will come and praise Him.
How will all the world know that Jesus Christ is Lord unless we show the world and tell the world that Jesus is Lord? I'd like to conclude with this scripture in Matthew 5. In the same way, Jesus says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It's time for the church, for us, to wake up and to turn on the lights for the world. To wake up those who slumber and sleep, for Christ's light has shone upon you. Step into His light and let His light shine in you and through you, so that through us we may wake the world. Let us awaken the world to the gift of salvation by grace. We should boldly believe that that which the, the world is searching for, we have the answer for in Jesus. The world needs light. Though it might seem dark, though it might seem like God is ignored or even persecuted, the world needs the light of Jesus. Lazarus shows us it's never too late. Jesus says this will not end in death. He is committed. He has a conviction that nothing is too far gone. He has compassion on the world. His command and commission to us is to go into all the world, to restore heaven on earth, to shine the light of Christ so that others would see the glory of God. Can you say amen? Amen. If you're able to, will you please stand with me as we, we close in a word of prayer. There is... A personal prayer available up front after the service if you would like, as well as communion on either side. But let's take a moment to pray, to commit ourselves to God this year. So Father, we thank you that you have shone your light upon us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that no darkness can overcome it, but your light scatters and the darkness and brings life to us. So would you wake us up with the church of Christ, arise and shine for the light has come and the glory of the Lord has shone upon us. Thank you that that is true in Jesus. Thank you for your love towards us, for your commitment to have relationship with us and your compassion towards us. Thank you that our conviction becomes your conviction, that nothing is too far gone. This will end in God's glory. So as you commission us to go out, I pray that you would grant us courage and boldness to reveal your light to all the world, to restore integrity in households and homes, in business places and in our country, that others would be able to look in and say, God is among them. Surely God is in this place. Surely heaven has opened and the kingdom of God has been restored in the church, in our city, in our country and in all the world, so that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for spending Sunday with us. So grateful. Coffee shop is open and the guest lounge at the back. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. God bless and goodbye.